I want us to take our Bibles this morning and find the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 13. And this morning we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of parables and I want us to think about this question. Are we authentic? You know, we, we say in our culture, man, they the real deal. He the real deal. He for real. They're authentic. Uh, they bear the marks of the mission. And uh, Jesus really uses the Scriptures to make us understand. And he again, He's not ambiguous at all. He is straightforward about the, the reality that we need to be authentic people. And that it's important because of what is in the balance of how we answer that question. So, in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 9, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be in that chapter in a couple other places. But I want to ask you to stand, if you would, as we honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 13. Now on the same day Jesus went out of the house and He sat by the sea. Great multitudes were gathered together to Him so that He got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some, feed fell, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, thank you for your word. And God, give us understanding hearts, minds. God, give us ears to hear today. To not just simply be a hearer, though, but a doer. To apply the word to our lives today. Let us examine ourselves. And Father, let us boldly, Approach your throne of grace as a child of God in our time of need and help us as the lost today to realize your great love in which you have demonstrated that love for us and may we be drawn into a very real, authentic relationship with you. Have your way in our hearts today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. As we examine this question about are we authentic, I want to preach to you this morning about four specific things, okay? Converts, counterfeits, choices, and consequences. Converts, counterfeits, choices, and consequence. Now, Jesus would later explain to us the parable of the sower. So, we wouldn't mess it up. I mean, Jesus, you know, you forget the commentary. Jesus gave us the commentary. Amen? He tells us specifically what it means. And we understand that the seed is the gospel. We understand the sower is the one who is sharing the gospel. 
called the sowers of that gospel. And we understand from the parable that there are some who do not hear. There are some that do not hear. And again, that just beckons us back to the reality that salvation is a supernatural thing. That the Holy Spirit must give us the understanding so that with our will we would choose to make a decision about those things in which we understand. But it is it is the Holy Spirit. We This is supernatural. This is not a matter of me talking you into something. This is a matter of God doing a spiritual work in our lives. And it's evident that not all who are in a congregation or are in a crowd where the gospel is preached, not everybody hears. You know, it, the Word tells us that, that, that preaching is foolishness to those who do not respond in faith. That it is foolishness. The idea that we believe that a God came out of the grave, rose from the dead on the third day. Uh, We believe in the supernatural creative work of Almighty God that the heavens declare His glory. We do not not believe, we shouldn't believe, we shouldn't have any faith that just cosmic random chance process brought us into where we are today. We know that if we just say that out loud, how crazy that sounds. Nothing is is by accident. But just as God created the heavens and the earth, and and, and as as we say, well, that that doesn't make sense. I can't wrap my mind around that. And and, and sometimes Christians say, well, I believe in in, uh, old earth and I, I'm more of, of, of the evolutionary guy because science says that, that that's not how things happen. And, you know, science also says dead men can't come to life. A little bit of a paradox, isn't it? It's a little foolish for us to say, well, we, we can't believe that, but, but we go here. We believe that Jesus raised from the dead. I don't know about you, but Paul said you can just look around and realize, obviously, we ain't here by chance. A little bit of a tilt here. A little bit of a tilt there. And we're either burn up or we froze up. But we ain't living. No, we understand Jesus tells us very emphatically that not all are going to hear. That it is foolish what I preach to some people. But Jesus also tells us that some people do hear. Thank God for that. And that in this parable, there are those who hear this message and three of this four make some type of response. See, there are those in this parable that that the gospel, it really never penetrates the heart because the devil is there to to take it away. And the reality is we, we live in a very distracted world. We live in a very distracted society. And so sometimes it's hard for even the gospel to penetrate all the noise. Because we're just bombarded on every end with all of this information that's streaming into our lives and so we just can't hear. Sometimes as young people, we're kind of put in a situation or maybe we put ourselves in a situation where it's just not conducive to hearing the gospel. Adults do that too. And sometimes, unfortunately, we may even play the part in distracting people from hearing what they need so much, which is the truth of God. And we recognize that there are those that 
won't hear and we see that there are those who do hear and, and, and those who hear in this parable, all three of those who heard, all initially responded in a way in which we would say, this person is making a commitment to Jesus Christ. We could probably go on to say that, that, that the three of this four, they had a baptismal certificate. But there is one profound thing that Jesus makes clear about those who are converts to the faith. That they bear fruit. They bear fruit. We don't all bear the same amount of fruit. Some 100, some 60, some 30. But it's clear that there is fruit that is born. He said that there's some seed that falls on stony ground. There's really no depth there, but it but seed with joy and and they and and they just shoot up and 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 it appears that hey, they they have it. And and then all of a sudden trials, the sun, the heat of life and temptations and it just has no root. It just dries it up. I was sharing uh, this with Sunday school class, how this time of year, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, I don't understand it's, they would say it's for safety purposes, but you know, we crinkle cut all the highways nowadays. You know what I mean? Used to, they were smooth, but we spend millions of dollars to pave a, a road, and then we go crinkle cut it, you know, like the French fries. And so if you get a little over here on the white line, it's, you know, and, you get over here on the yellow line a little bit. I'm not saying we don't need to be, you know, I'm not saying we need to be driving on the lines, but I'm just saying, you know, the roads are crinkle cut. And this time of year, when we're harvesting, you know, seed can fall out of, a, you know, a truck and, uh, you know, out of the trailer there, and it'll, it'll find its way into that little bitty cut-out place, and it's got a little bit of dust and dirt in there and a, with a little bit of moisture. And you'll, you'll go down the highway, and you can see, you know, corn starting to sprout, out here in the pavement. But it ain't never going to make ears. It's going to get hot, and those roots ain't going to penetrate the asphalt. And it'll just dry up. And it's amazing because the seed that's sitting on top of the dirt will germinate and come up quicker than that which is buried. It doesn't have to push through anything. It's just wide open sky. But there's no root. And Jesus said this and receives it with joy, but it's withered away because of the world. He talked about the seed that falls on, uh, you know, the, the, the ground that's thorny, full of weeds, so that there's so much competition around it, it can't get going. And he says literally the thorns choke it out so it's, again, it's unfruitful. It's unfruitful. Jesus makes it clear that if you are a convert, you bear, you bear fruit. You bear fruit. And so when we read this parable, we understand that the likelihood is that if you just are faithful to preach the gospel, and you're not all this heavy emotional idea, you know, we're down to the invitation, we're singing just as I am without one plea, and, and, and the, the pastor's up here as we sing it the 11th time. If you ever kissed your mother, you need to come. Wor working people into a, a, a frenzy and, and of emotions for you to respond. If, if you don't do that and you're just faithful to 
preach the word and let God do the supernatural work. I mean, Jesus is telling us you're still going to get false conversions. And brother, let me tell you, 20, over 20 years in the ministry, I have seen that far too often. So we don't, we don't want to encourage false conversions. We understand that, that there are those who are going to respond in some way that looks as if there's the real deal there, but there's no fruit. And the reality is salvation is the two-sided coin. It is faith and repentance or repentance and faith, but it's still faith and repentance or repentance and faith. It's both of those. It's both of those. You will not find in Scripture where that doctrine about salvation is not taught. Jesus is saying this, that there is fruit that accompanies the life of those who are converted to the gospel. Are you authentic? Are you authentic? So there is the convert that bears the fruit of belief and repentance or repentance and belief. But there is the counterfeit. The counterfeit that to the eye or to the ear sounds legit. Sounds authentic. I saw a, a clip the other day of, of uh, the former Hall of Famer Michael Irvin and he was calling his son out. Because his son's out here trying to be a gangster with his music career. He's, he's quote, a gangster rapper. And Michael Irvin, who, you know, hey, he's, he's got his demons in his past, but I'll give the guy credit. He has not tried to live that way. And he, he called his son, he said, look, son, we grew up in a brownstone community, a gated community. You ain't no gangster. You don't, know, you, don't, you don't know what it's like to be, quote, down with the struggle. That's what he said. He said, no, look at what, how God blessed us. You don't know any of that lifestyle. Quit being a poser. You're a counterfeit. He's absolutely right. But we have the same problem in Christendom. There's the counterfeit. Jesus used another parable in verse 24 to illustrate that point. That you can look like the Christian. You can even use the vernacular of a Christian, but yet not be a Christian. He, he gives this parable, and there's a lot into this, but he mentions in verse 24, he says, there's another parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said, An enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest... I will say to the reapers, gather together the tares, bind them into bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, it's interesting here, uh, and I'm not an ag, I'm not an ag graduate, uh, and so I'm not going to sit here and pretend and use terminology that makes you think I'm smart because I'm just, I'm not. 
in, that, in, in any way in that regard. But I do understand a few things. I understand that, that, that the, the tares in which the Bible is speaking of is a grass known as darnel, which looks very, very much like wheat. As a matter of fact, in that first slide that has my sermon title on it, that is a wheat field, and in that wheat field there are tares. And to the naked eye, from just a casual glance out into that field, it's hard to identify what's what. But there are some distinct differences. Because I am told that while birds and, you know, the fowl of the air can eat darnel and, 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 and it's uh, okay for them, if, you're, if you were to try to make flour from uh, darnel, it would, it would be very bitter. Actually, in, in a large amount, I'm told it's poisonous for human consumption. And so the reality is when they planted their field, they went to great lengths to sort the seed. Because they didn't want to go through the trouble of growing a crop only to realize that when you uh, grind it all in and you make flour that you got enough of that other in there that it's going to be bitter and it's not going to taste good. There is a distinctness in what he's saying that there is this separation and that is the, this idea that, that to the naked eye they look the same. But they're very, very different. One is authentic and one is not. And one is a counterfeit and one is the real deal. Now there's a couple of things to note about counterfeits. The whole idea behind counterfeit is deception, right? <laughs> That's the whole idea behind it. Nobody makes a counterfeit uh, other than they're wanting to deceive someone. And you know, the Word of God even uh, tells us that, the, that, that Satan's demons can also appear to be messengers of light. There is a lot of things that are done in our culture today that maybe even are put a label on it as Christian or Christianity that I don't think Jesus is a million miles within a million miles of. This is what we know about counterfeits. They're, they're for the purpose of deceiving. And, and for those who, uh, who, who look for authenticity, they never study a counterfeit. They only study the real thing. I watched a documentary one time about this, National Geographic. You know, when you're really bored, you turn on National Geographic. Because you can find out all kinds of information that maybe one day you're going to play Trivial Pursuit with somebody and you're going to be on it. Sharks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take sharks. Lemon sharks, basking sharks. I know all about sharks because I watch National Shark Week is marked on my calendar. I'm into sharks because of National Geographic. But National Geographic had a had a, a special about counterfeit and the FBI's you know role in trying to keep this down and how every just talk about how every day they're trying to figure out ways to counterfeit all of these things and and they were they were asking those agents that deal with it you know with all of these counterfeits that come up every single day how do you stay on top of it? And the guy said it was very simple. We don't. We don't look for counter. We don't look at counterfeits. We only look at the real 
we only focus on the real thing. And so if we're only focused on the real thing and we're only looking for the real thing and we know how the real thing smells and feels and even how it tastes, then when a counterfeit comes in our presence, we know it's just another counterfeit. We may have never seen it before, but we recognize that it is just a counterfeit. And it is there for deception and and only for that reason. Jesus tells us that there are those that are counterfeit. They're not true converts. And Matthew 7, Jesus says in verse 21 that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. Not your preacher's words. The Lord's words. That there are those who would say, Lord, Lord, but... He says they won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they are counterfeits and they are not converts. Counterfeits, but not converts. So Jesus then is ultimately calling us into choice. And there are, boy, there are a lot of choices in life, aren't there? You made, you made a choice to be here today. As a matter of fact, I was fascinated by this. They tell me, they, you know, they, those people out there who keep up with this stuff, they tell me that the average adult, I wouldn't believe this except I have four kids, so I believe it, but the average adult makes 35,000 choices a day. I thought, that's about right. We make 34,000 of those just about dinner. What are we going to eat in a given day? We make 34,000 choices about dinner. You leaving here today? Let's do Mexican. Oh. Uh, you know, the, the, the one on there on the One. You know, the, the one across the interstate. Which one? Well, let's just go to Lowe's first. Yeah, there's a taco food truck there. Thirty-five thousand choices, and and this this is what made me realize we're doing way too much for our kids. They they tell me that the average kid is making thirty-five hundred choices a day. I think that needs to be leveled out a little bit. Angus, you're only pulling about 10% of your weight, son. Do a better job. See what, y'all cook for me and mom tonight, okay? Make our bed. Go to the grocery store. Get a very itemized list of what we like. That's a lot of choices, isn't it? You know, the Word of God tells us in over 200 references, over 200 times in the Bible, the word choose or its variations are mentioned. Some of the ones that we recognize in the Bible, you know, Joshua 24, he said, I need you to choose this day who you're going to serve. And he followed that up with, but as for in my household, we're going to choose 
to serve the Lord. Isaiah chapter 55, he said to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah would go on to say there in Isaiah 55 verse 7, let the unrighteous do whatever they want to do. In other words, Isaiah said, you quit worrying about the crowd, quit worrying about the herd. You need to make a choice. And you need to seek the Lord while he's near. And you need to seek the Lord while he can be found. Paul would say to the Corinth church there in his second letter, chapter 6, he says, behold, now is the accepted time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. Why did he tell them that? Because he wanted them to choose the Lord. That he's the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way of salvation. And of course, Romans 10, 13 is a familiar one. Almost in every gospel tract you'll ever find that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a, that's a choice. John three sixteen, right? Whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. I always loved the shirt that said, I'm a whomsoever. That God, in His sovereignty, would reveal it to you, Scripture teaching that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God in the written form, in the audible form. And I would, I would go on to say in the demonstrated form of your life and my life as a living testimony of God, going and echoing back to the reality that a true convert of Christ bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. And of the 35,000 choices, men, women, adults here today, of those 35,000 choices, Have you made a choice for Christ? See, the reality is you have in one way or another. Of the 3,500 choices of our young children and our youth today, have you chose Christ? In one way or another, you have. To say yes to Jesus is, is, is the greatest decision that through the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. But to say, not right now, Jesus, is to say no to Jesus. Are we authentic? Do we know the lingo? Do we know the isms, what to say? Do we participate? Do we like a Christian, but yet, the fruit is very different. Bitterness versus that which is good. The Bible tells us that there are choices that we should make with respect to who we believe and what we believe about the man, Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because of the consequences. Because of the consequences. I mean, every choice we make has consequence and ramifications. And sometimes we, we make decisions that we, we do our dead level best to say, you know, I think this is the right thing to do. But, but, but even if it is, there, there are sometimes unintended 
consequences, right? There are always consequences to the choices that we make. And, and we sometimes in our culture today, we lean heavily on, well, it's the intentions. Folks, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Some of the worst decisions in governments were made with, quote, good intentions. There will always be consequences to the decisions. And that's why Jesus, in verse 30 there of Matthew 13, He's letting us understand the consequences in, in that there is separation. There is separation. I mean, you, you look at verse 30. There is a clear separation. Irregardless of, of what we say and how we talk, and man, we look so good and we know the right things to say and, and we hang with the right people and we are a member of the right church and maybe it, maybe it even profits me because of my connections or whatever, but the reality is there is coming a day when the Lord is going to separate. In other places, He calls it the sheep from the goats. Here He calls it, uh, at harvest, there will be the tares and there will be the wheat. And notice what He says, there will be the gathering of the tares, binding them and burning them. i got news for you. God's not trying to give you uh, agricultural advice here. He's not, he's not trying to tell you new farming techniques. He's not talking about new cultivars and new cultivating uh, practices and varieties. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about that that which looks authentic that look like a true convert is a counterfeit. And they will be bound and they will be burned. But notice what he says of that which is legit, that which is authentic. He says the wheat, gather the wheat, and, and where, where's he going to put it? In my barn. In my barn. Put it in the fire. Bring it in my barn. Destruction was coming to Noah and the voice came from inside the ark which was a picture of salvation. Noah, come. Bring the wheat into my barn. Find tares. Separate and burn. That's consequence. That's consequences. And I love you enough today to tell you. Matthew 7, Jesus says again, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But He says those who do the will of the Father. But He didn't stop there. He did not stop there. He could have. That would have been enough. But He didn't stop there. He would go on to even clarify this more in verse 22 that many will say to me in that day, what what day? That that day of separation. That day when the tares and and the wheat are harvested. And as, as they're being bundled 
as they're being bound. And understand that's a picture of what? That's a picture of security in, or uh, securing it so that there, there is no other. There's no other way of escape. You're being bound. You're limited now. Time is up. No other opportunity. Bound and separated. He says, in that day, in that day, he says, as they're, you just get the picture that they're bound and leading them away. I mean, how many times have we seen this play out in a court of law? The, the weeping and the, and the, and the, and the hurting that, that the, as they are let out in the leg irons and the cuffs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was high, I was drunk, I was with the wrong crowd. I had an abusive father. Fill in the blank. It does not change the reality of what will happen on that day. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That is a sad commentary on the reality of how you're so close. The counterfeit. The one who made the profession. The one who has the baptismal certificate. But it's whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. I asked my Sunday school this question this morning, my class this morning, our young people. And they all answered it just like that because they're, they're smart folks. But I asked them, I said, do y'all think I'm alive? And they said, yeah, you're alive. And then Miss Virginia, I asked, I said, well, how do you know that I'm alive? And they said, well, you're talking. And then they said, well, you're breathing. You're patting me on the back. You're moving. And I said, you mean to tell me I did not have to come in here today and show you my birth certificate and say, I just want y'all to know, I'm alive. I'm alive. It says right here, I'm alive. Born in Tiff County Hospital. I'm sorry, Tiff General. Tiff General. First, middle, and last. So many pounds, so many inches. I remember when my birth certificate said, what a beautiful child. I just, amazing. What a beautiful child. Guys going places, man. You know, unfortunately, it's probably more of the George Thurgood variety. Bad. Bad to the bone, yeah. No, anyway. No. Nobody's walking around saying, you know, I just want you to know I'm alive. Here's my birth certificate, you know. Because everybody's doubting. And it's like, I'm glad you showed that to me because I quite never really thought you were alive. But, but uh, since you showed me that birth certificate, man, we're good. I know you're alive now. You know? Nobody says that because we recognize something very simple, that there are certain characteristics that accompany a person that's alive that we all know.
even a person that appears to be dead. To those in the medical field, there's a way you can tell, right? Smelling salts. Boy, if that don't wake you up. We all get that. I'm fascinated though how sometimes we are beholden to this reality that because I went to a youth camp, I've never shown any fruit, but I went to youth camp. I went to Power Charge. I went to Power Life. I went to Focus. I went to Revamp, Repower, Reboot. Redo. I went to redone. Renovate. Reinvigorate. Centrifuge. I went to that. You baptized me, Brother Steve. And I got I got in the cold water, Brother Steve. I didn't get the warm water. I mean, I'm legit. My parents were there. My grandparents were there. Even my lost uncle, he showed up at the back. He left when the baptism was over, but he even showed up. I'm authentic, Steve. I'm authentic, Brother Steve. Well, I got news for you. Jesus said, your baptismal certificate is not going to be required to get into heaven. Your role... Your name on a church roll, although that's important, is not the determining factor. Brother, I got active member status. Good. You need to. You need to. You should. But are we legitimate converts? Is there fruit in your life, some fruit in your life, that you could say, that person right there, they're a Christian. I know they're a Christian. There's fruit in their life. Jesus said, Some bear fruit of a hundred, sixty, thirty, but all bear fruit. Are you authentic this morning? Are you authentic? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would they convict you based on the fruit in your life. Well, let us pray. We're going to stand and sing an invitation and we'll have an opportunity to get it right this morning. Father, in the name that is above every name, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just the clear teaching of Scripture. God, I pray no one leaves today thinking, hoping, but God, that we would know that we are the people of God. That God, we've been saved to the uttermost. That we know you, God, not just know about you, but that we authentically know you and that our life is bearing fruit. God, would you convict our hearts today And if we're here this morning and we're unsure and we're out of your will or we've walked away, we're the the thorny ground, we're the stony ground, God, 
Would you bring us home this morning? Would you draw us to that old rugged cross this morning where the crimson blood of the Lamb of God flowed freely and that it washes me whiter than snow this morning? God, have we in that well, in that fountain, been dipped today, been immersed in the sweet and precious grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ? God, have we called out to you and said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and surrendered our life to your Lordship. God, if not, then may today be that day, for it is certainly the time. Have a work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.